back there. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? The shame's done all it's sealing. Are you desperate for some healing?
Good job, guys. Thank you. How about the drummer back there, too? Woo! <laughs> All right. I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm just in a great mood, ready to worship our Lord, preach the word, and worship with you all. I'm just excited to be here this morning. I don't know if you had a chance to go to the parade last night, but you guys did a great job on the float. I'm going to recognize them here in a little bit later on, but it's just got me in a good mood. Church is decorated nice. I mean, we're just ready for Christmas around here, and I'm excited to be here. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll, ha- we'll have our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, just for the opportunity, Lord, to worship you today with my brothers and sisters, Lord, and to glorify and honor you. And uh, Lord, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for our unity we have, and just um, God, that we're sharing the gospel every week and we're reaching people in our community, uh, Lord. We've got baptisms to do today. I'm excited about that. And uh, God, in all things, we're just, um, I'm joyous in you today. And we worship you. We love you. It's an honor to be here today, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
job, guys. All right, you may be seated. Can I have all the kids come up this morning? You're going to have to kind of set down here, I think. Uh, set down in front there. Some of you can set over there. So what I'm going to do today, today is Family Sunday. And so on Family Sundays, I always bring the kids up here. And uh, we usually go into a little bit of the sermon. But I'm going to do a little bit different today because there's two things that we... Or one thing we normally do on Family Sunday, kids, as we take the Lord's Supper, we take communion, right? Uh, and there are two ordinances of a local of the local church, right? Two ordinances of local church. Does anyone know what they are? Anyone know what the two ordinances are? If you don't, that's okay. Nobody. Well, I just told you one is the Lord's Supper. And what do we do when we take communion? It's for people who have professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And what they're doing is they're remembering his death on the cross for our sins. And they're looking forward to his return. Because Jesus on the cross, he shed his blood, gave his body for us. He paid our our sin debt right on the cross when he died on the cross for us. That's one of the ordinances of the local church. The others, you want to know what the other one is? We're going to do it this morning. Levi, come on up here. It's baptism. And so Levi's come this morning. Did you bring your towel with you? Did you got a towel? If you don't have a towel, that's okay. We got it. We got it. We got more. We got some. All right, perfect. Come on up here, Levi. You're going to step right down in there and walk all the way up to the front and set your feet down, and you're going to set right in there. Scoot all the way up to the front. Perfect. All right, so while you're sitting in this nice, warm, Well, man, it is warm. You're going to have to scoot all the way up or I'm going to bust your head against the back of this. Okay, so here's the two ordinances of the local local church, right? One is the Lord's Supper. Two is baptism. What is baptism, kids? Anyone know what baptism is? You have to talk really loud. That's exactly right. So many people... Have a misunderstanding, it's a great answer, I'm really proud of you. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about baptism. They think that baptism is when their sins are washed away. That is not the case. When you are justified before God, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are justified before Him and your sins are no longer counted against you. So that's when your sins are washed away, when you believe in Christ, when you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Baptism is an outward profession of that inward change that's happened. It's Levi coming this morning and saying, Hey, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure all of you know that I'm following Christ. That's what baptism is. It's also a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So it's, it's Christ dying and rising again. It's also a picture of our old life. Levi, his old life dying and being raised to walk in newness of life of Christ. So there's two ordinances of the local church. What are they now, now that you know them? And what else? That's right, the Lord's Supper, right? Communion and baptism are the two ordinances. They're not sacraments. So the difference, real quick, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on it, but maybe I should. Sacraments are where grace is dispensed. God's grace is dispensed to someone. That would be a sacrament. We don't believe in sacraments. God's grace was dispensed on Levi when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now this is his outward profession of faith. 
Uh, us taking communion, you're not going to get God's grace by taking communion. You're doing that remembering what Christ did for you on the cross. So there's two ordinances of the local church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Let's do one of them right now, okay? Levi, hold my hand right there, buddy. There you go. I'm, you got to be real loud, okay? Levi, have you professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. All right. On your profession of faith and in keeping with his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, here's the important part. Don't get electrocuted as you walk across there, okay? <laughs> All right, kids. That is the two ordinances of the local church. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to pray for you guys, and then you can go back and sit with mom and dad, okay? All right. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, this morning uh, for this. I thank you for Levi, Lord, and him making this outward profession of an inward change that's happened, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to teach these kids uh, about the two ordinances of the church, Lord, that it's all about you. We're remembering your death, burial, and resurrection, uh, and Lord, and being obedient and following you in baptism. Lord, I thank you for them. Let us as a church always continue to teach our kids and grow them up, uh, raise them up to love you, uh, Lord, with all their heart. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, kids. Baptism is extremely important, so I always like to use this opportunity also to tell you guys, if you have questions, if you have questions about baptism, maybe you were baptized as a kid, you have questions about that, come and see me. Please come and see me, and we'll set up a time where we can sit down uh, and meet. Okay, here's, I want to brag on this real quick. If you worked on the church float yesterday, and you were a part of that, would you please stand up this morning? Give them a big hand. Thank you. They did such a good job. And, and literally they worked on it all day yesterday. I've done, I told Dana this, I've done church floats in the past. And mine looked like they were put together with duct tape. And like, it was just, they are rough, weren't they, honey? They did a great job yesterday. And I'm really, really proud of them. Really proud of them. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, so Wednesday night, we're back to our normal class schedule on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night, dinner at 6 o'clock, classes at 6.45. If you're a visitor this morning, we have young adult classes uh, for youth. We have kids classes. We have an adult class that meets upstairs. And we have dinner every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock uh, with one another. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock here at the church, fellas. Tonight, men's Bible study at 6 o'clock here at the church. Women's Christmas party. December 9th at the church, they're having an ugly ornament exchange, a devotion, dinner, dessert, games. So is that this Friday? Okay, wrap up the ornament this Friday night, ladies, uh, at what time is it? Six, six o'clock this Friday night. Youth trip, Saturday, correct? Youth trip, Saturday night, December 10th, they're leaving at 4.45 here at the church youth uh, and going to freeway headquarters that night. You guys going to eat dinner and stuff too? Okay, afterwards they're going to Brahms. So 4.45, 
youth trip this Saturday uh, evening. Next Sunday, we're also going to have a special service. Next Sunday, uh, we haven't done one of these in a while, but it's very, very important. We're going to have a deacon ordination. So our deacon ordination is going to be during the morning service next Sunday morning. So if you've never been to one, uh, I encourage you, come to worship time. There'll be a charge that I give to the church and the deacons. It's a really neat time uh, as we ordain some deacons next Sunday uh, morning. Christmas program is Sunday, December 18th during the morning service. When is practice? Rehearsal is always going to be on Wednesday night. Dress rehearsal on Wednesday night. Not this Wednesday, the following one, correct? Okay, so um, kids be here for the Christmas program. Uh, craft day. They're having a craft day on Sunday, January 8th from 1 to 4 p.m. The cost is $30. That includes everything. All that includes every, all the supplies are included. Uh, bring snacks. Uh, if you have any questions on that, please get a hold of uh, Pat uh, on that. Also, they had the Pottery Day. The Pottery Day, if you came, ladies, for the Pottery Day, the pottery is done. It's downstairs. So go downstairs and pick uh, that up. Anything else that I forgot today? Yes, Dave. Young adults. The, when is it? The 11th? 11th. Young adults. At the Curleys. Okay. And what time is that, Dave? Okay. Don't know what time. Dustin, are they here? Are, are they here this morning? No? Okay. Huh? They're sick. Okay. That's going around. We got a lot of people that are sick. Yes. Men of Courage. Yes, I have that. January 10th, Men of Courage at 6 p.m. Uh, at the Freeway Headquarters in Springfield. Uh, January 10th at 6 p.m. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering, and we'll have our, what time is it tomorrow? Fr Frickly Cactus tomorrow at 8.30 a.m., ladies, for coffee and breakfast also. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning, uh, Lord, that we're here to worship you, God, and part of that is giving uh, back to you, God, and, and Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we give you our best in every area of our lives, and that includes our, our finances and Lord, take it, use it uh, to further your kingdom. The gospel will be shared, uh, God, and, and we give cheerfully and joyfully. Uh, and as we enter our time of worship, Lord, we lift our voices to honor you, to praise you. Uh, Lord, and, and, and as we talk about boldness this morning, uh, Lord, I pray that we're a church that's bold. That we're not scared of um, public opinion uh, or, or what anybody else thinks. That we only care what you think, God. And that we're bold in how we give. We're bold in how we preach the gospel. We're bold as a church in how we reach our community. Uh, and, and in doing so, we're glorifying and honoring you, Lord. It's in your name I do pray. Amen.
That is who you are. 
You guys can be seated. All right, if you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. During Family Sunday, our kids stay in with us because, uh, as you saw this morning, we want to teach them. It's a morning of communion. It's important that we, we teach them what communion is. And when they got to see the other ordinance this morning with Levi and getting baptized. And so it's important. Uh, it's important they see those things. So Ephesians 6, we're going to finish out uh, this passage on the whole armor of God today. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And if you would, please stand with me one more time as we honor God's word together. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Uh, I thank you for this time that we've got to spend going through the whole armor that you've given us, God, that, that is, uh, it's all in you and it's all about you and uh, every piece is about you. And, and today, Lord, as we finish this up, I, I pray that we are um, soldiers of yours that, that are boldly going forward proclaiming the gospel, that we are boldly uh, living lives honoring you, that, that Lord, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks around us, uh, Lord, we're just going to be bold in, in standing for you and living for you and in loving you, radically having compassion on people uh, and, and just be so different of a people that, that people want to know what is different about us and, and in all the ways we can point them to you. So God, I love you this morning. I thank you for this time. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, so boldness. Let's start with the definition. I want to focus on boldness here because Paul, in these last two verses, he mentions it twice. He mentions being bold twice, these last two uh, verses. And, and so what is boldness? Boldness is courage to act or speak fearlessly. Despite real or imagined dangers, it's speaking boldly, fearlessly, standing up for truth, knowing. So as we close this out, this is a, a foundational question that I think we have to ask ourselves. I think everybody who says they're a follower of Christ should ask themselves, am I bold for Christ? Am I bold for the Lord Jesus? Is it obvious that Jesus, that I'm bold for Jesus? Is it obvious that I've been with Jesus? When I think of boldness, there's so many different passages in Scripture. So many different ones where you see followers of Christ act bold. I, I'm going to preach out of probably my favorite one. It's found in Acts chapter 4. I love this passage of Scripture. I've preached out of it before. But I want you to go to Acts chapter 4. This is exactly what Paul, when, he, when he's praying for boldness, this is exactly what he's talking about. He's probably potentially even thinking about this example. It's found in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to read all the, the verses, and then we're going to kind of break them down and look at these verses. 
It says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the elders, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished and they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. A powerful set of verses. Now... I want to back up just a little bit. What got them in this situation where they're standing before the council? If you go back one chapter, Peter had healed a man born lame that was a beggar. He was asking Peter and John for money outside of the temple. And what did Peter say? Peter instead said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man was healed. And he jumped in the air, praising God, and many people saw this miraculous miracle happen. They, they saw it. And so while this man, the, the Bible says in Acts 3.11, clung to Peter and John, all the people began to gather to them, uh, gathered around them at a place called Solomon's Portico. And what that was is that's a huge, massive porch that's on the east side of the temple. It was a, a porch that overlooked a valley. And so lots of people come and start gathering there. And what does Peter do? He stands up and he starts preaching a sermon about Jesus. And he tells the people to repent and believe in Jesus. And that's what the verses we just read in, in 1 through 13. So there, there was something about Peter and John that had, had given them so much boldness to stand for Christ. There was something about Peter and John that the people had recognized that these guys had been with Jesus. That they're bold for Jesus now. What is that? I believe that with all my heart that when we have trusted in Christ as our Savior, when we believed in Him, when we spend time reading His Word, when we're praying, when we are in Christ, that my life is going to show that. It, he is going to start being a reflection in my life in how I handle things, in how I talk to my family, in how I minister to people, in what my life looks like. I'm going to now be bold for Christ. That's one of the things that they prayed for. They, the early church prayed for boldness because they knew they were going to be persecuted. They knew that people are not going to like them because they're bold. 
So what are some things that about our lives, what are some principles that we can look at here and, sh- and see that we, we've received this boldness to be in Christ? Number one, I think the first thing I want to start with this morning is a changed life. We, we become bold because our life has now changed. Now what were Peter and John? They're ordinary dudes. Our passage tells them this. They are, our passage tells them they're common guys. What, were, what was their trade? They were fishermen. They, they made a living fishing. They were uneducated. They never had any high degree of education. They were untrained. They, but they had a huge influence uh, over millions and millions of people. Now, they didn't get that influence because of rising in some political uh, power or anything like that. They were able to transform the lives of millions of people to make a difference for the kingdom that I'm even mentioning them thousands of years later because of what? Because they were in Christ. They had the Holy Spirit. They were in Jesus. Jesus had changed them to meet Christ, to believe in Him, to trust Him as your Savior, to spend time with Him, learning about Him, to read His Word, is to experience change in your life. When you have been with Jesus, he changes you. Scripture tells you that. In in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. So if 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 I ask myself, how do I know if I'm being bold for Christ? Well, has my life changed? You can't be bold for Christ if your life hasn't changed. Am I a completely different person than I was before I knew Christ? Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. There's a contrast here. I want to show you a contrast. That's what Paul says. says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the th- uh, of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So what's it saying? He's saying that, look, before you're in Christ, before you know Christ, this is how you lived your life. And it was evil. There was covetousness. There was sexual impurity. There was greed. There was idolatry. Idolatry is what? Making things a a god. Had other gods. But now, now that you've in Christ, those are all put away. They're put aside. And you're renewed in Christ. He's changed you. Your life is different. Listen, you can't be bold for Christ and have boldness until you've been changed by Christ. The the reason why many people aren't bold for Christ and don't stand for Christ is because they really don't have Christ. They're not in Christ. There's many churches that aren't bold. 
Many pastors aren't bold in the gospel. Look at the verses up here. We, we read one this morning. That this was from the float yesterday, John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know what he says? It's an I am statement. He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say, I'm one of the lights of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Go back to Acts chapter 4. What did Peter and John say? There's salvation in no one else. You, listen, you start making that statement to people, you start sharing the truth that there's salvation only found in Christ, you know what, that's a bold statement in today's society. There's many churches that don't want to say that. There's many pastors that don't want to say that because they're scared. They get scared. What's being bold? What's being bold? What's our definition? Go back to our definition. I wrote it down on my announcement page. Courage to act or speak fearlessly Despite real or imagined dangers, to speak without fear, that you're going to speak the truth. Listen, we don't do that without Christ. That's the whole thing. When did they receive this boldness? Go back another chapter. You know when they received the boldness? When they received the Holy Spirit. When do you receive boldness to stand for what's right, to stand for what's Christ, for Christ? When you've received the Holy Spirit. When do we receive the Holy Spirit? When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When he changes you. Now, here's some other things. Here's here's another way we can see that we're bold. Now we start to have this compassion for others. Go, Go back to Acts. Go back to Acts. What got him in this mess to begin with? What's in verses 1 through 8? So what happens? Peter and John are walking into the temple, and they encounter a man who's crippled, who's begging. This this guy would have been the lowest level of society. Somebody who can't take care of himself. He can't bring anything to the table. He can't do anything for anybody else. And all he's doing, he's just a poor beggar. He, He would have been what society looked down upon and said, "Yeah, you don't want to be that. Right, And Peter and John could have very easily walked right by this guy. Walked right by his sickly condition where he was crippled, begging, and sidestepped him. But you know what they had seen? They had seen a Savior in the Lord Jesus that didn't do that. They saw Jesus search those kind of people out. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Here's one, of exa- one example. I could spend all morning reading you examples of Jesus doing this. Here's one. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself... But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had what? Compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. 
Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those broken broken pieces left over, and those who were about who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. What did Jesus see? People were being brought to him that were sick, that were desolate. And he healed them and he fed them. He took care of a physical need that they had in their life. He had compassion on people. Jesus cared about people. I hope you get my point. There's a whole bunch, there's a whole other examples. Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 15. Those are just few of the examples from the book of Matthew. Peter and John had witnessed Jesus' compassion on others. They had no money to give to this man, but what they gave him was much more precious. They healed him. Listen, if me and you are going to be bold for Christ, we better have boldness that portrays compassion and love. Now, you say, well, I don't see a lot of blind beggars sitting on our street corners. Oh, yeah, you do. Now, here's how you see them. You see them... And their spiritual condition. How many people do you know are spiritually blind and dead? Dead. Begging. They have no hope in their life. Their hope they've put into drugs or alcohol or sexual relationships or whatever else it is. They put hope in everything in the world and they're empty inside. They're empty. Their lives are devastated. They look for hope in a bottle of alcohol or shooting up drugs or whatever it is. And there's many churches, many preachers that walk to the other side of the road to avoid those people. And you hear, you hear people say, we don't want those type of people in the church. We don't, we don't want to be in that kind of a ministry. We would never be in that kind of a ministry. If you say that, you watch out because you may not be in ministry at all very long. Because I want to tell you who Jesus went after were those type of people. Jesus did not go after the people that wear five-piece suits into church that brought bags of gold. Now there's nothing wrong with wearing a five-piece suit. I'm not going to, but if you want to, you can. But I hope you get my point. It's not the highly religious that think we're better than everybody else. And we know everybody else. And where we know more, we know, yeah, we got it all figured out. That's not who Jesus went after. In fact, that's who Jesus criticized in Scripture. Listen, I, I believe with all my heart, I believe this, I've said this before. That the Lord Jesus, if he was walking in Marshfield, Missouri during the week, he would not be coming to my house to have dinner. He wouldn't even look me up. You know he would look up? The people that are broken. Outside of here. The people that their marriages are suffering. And their kids are on drugs. That's who he would go minister to. So church, who do we need to minister to? Not the highly religious. Who do we need to have compassion on? Those type of people. I want to tell you, if we ever get to the point, church, where we don't have compassion on people, shut the doors. Shut the doors. Listen, when, you, when you're in Christ, you can no longer look at the suffering of humanity in the same way. 
When you're in Christ, you can no longer look at the murder of children in our country as something that's okay. When you're, when you're in Christ, you can no longer look at Steve and Bob getting married in the same way. You can't. Because he's changed you. He's changed your views. Your hearts are changed. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 1 John 3.17 should remind us, brothers, the context is brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? How can I say I love the Lord Jesus if one of my brothers in this room is hungry and I don't take them out for lunch? And I don't help them get a job? Now listen to me. You don't want to work. The Bible says you don't eat. I'm talking about somebody who wants to work hard, wants to take care of their family. Maybe they've been laid off. You know what the church is for? Help that person. If we see another in need, we step up. Because what is that? That's compassionate hearts. So the question here is, do you have compassion on others? Now, where, where do they start getting this courage and this boldness? That's the third thing. They have courage. They have courage. They're not scared. I want you to go back to Acts chapter 4. Who's the audience here? Who's the audience that Peter and John start preaching this sermon to before the council? They're preaching. The religious leaders got angry. They throw them in jail. They arrest them. They put them in jail. They're, the, the next day, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, which was kind of like a Supreme Court. They're, they're the decision makers. They're the ones earlier that wanted Jesus crucified. Just a short time ago, had Jesus crucified. And they, and they ask an interesting question in verse 7. They say, but what power or by what name do you do this? Now I want you to think about this. I want you to put yourself in Peter and John's shoes. You're not Peter and John. That's not what I'm saying. Right? Clarify that. But I want you to put yourself in how you would answer this question. The, the guys have been sitting in jail all night long. They're thrown in jail by the same guys that wanted Jesus crucified and got him crucified. Jesus gave up his own life on the cross. Nobody took it from him, right? But the religious leaders definitely wanted Jesus crucified. If they answered that question, by what power or what name do you do this, they could be killed. They could drag them out and stone Stephen like they did Stephen. That They could kill him. Now at that moment they could have said, oh, I mean, we're preaching and teaching about you guys. We're talking about what you guys want us to talk about. That's what we're doing, right? You know we're on your side. I mean, they're in jail right now. How many of you do anything to get out of jail? Think about it. I'm going to do what I can do can to get out of it. Most of we say, well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you do. I think of my own little kids. When, when, when they're in dad's courtroom and they're in dad's jail, they're going to try to say anything they can to get themselves out of jail, right? Every excuse in the book. It wasn't me, dad. It was the dog. Or it wasn't me, dad. It was Sydney or Savannah. It was Sierra's fault or whatever, right? They're kids. Right? We do the same thing. It was mom's fault. Mom did it, right? You hear everything. But notice what Peter does. 
Peter doesn't blame it on anyone else. What does Peter do? He starts preaching the gospel. He starts sharing the gospel with them. He has courage. He starts sharing the same thing that put him in jail. That's boldness and courage. That only comes from what? Christ. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Where did they get that courage? Because they were followers of the Lord Jesus. It was in their courage and boldness that, that caused the Sanhedrin court to come to the conclusion that what? Who had they been with? Jesus. It's from that courage and boldness. Listen to me. They could have been killed right there. They could have been executed. They weren't, but they were willing to risk it all. Are you? Am I? Am I willing to risk everything for Christ? That's boldness. That's courage. That's what Paul is praying for. He says, put on the whole armor of God and now be bold with it. Be, have courage to share that. Listen to me. Acts 4.12, highlight that. Circle it. Whole bunch. That is a verse that when you share with somebody, that is a bold verse. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name given among heaven by which men can be saved. That's a bold verse. Kind of like when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Those are bold verses. Do we have the courage to stand for Jesus when people laugh? Do we have the courage to stand for Christ when it may hurt your business deal? Do you have the courage to stand when people are mocking or criticize you? Do we have the courage? I want, to, I want us to be honest again. It's not hard to stand for Jesus on Sunday morning. I mean, let's be truthful. It's not. It's a lot harder to stand when you're with around a whole bunch of unbelievers. It's not hard to be bold for Christ in here. It's just not. It's another thing to be bold for Jesus when you're around a bunch of people who don't believe. If you have courage, it's because you're a child of his. Because you're a follower of his. Last thing. Last thing. You know what I see from these guys? One word. It's commitment. What do they do? Go back to Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Go down to verse 18. They tell these guys something. That's what they say. They say, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. There, you guys are done. Don't be talking about Jesus anymore. We don't want to hear Jesus' name come out of your two mouths anymore. Now, listen to what they said in verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. And then go down to verse 29. 29, no, it's, uh, yeah, 529, Acts, one more chapter over, excuse me, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we, another time they got thrown in prison, we must obey God rather than men. It didn't matter how many times they were thrown in jail, it didn't matter how many times they were going to be, get beat, you know what they were? They were committed to Jesus. They were committed to Jesus. It didn't matter what the world said. It didn't matter. They say, you can't, you can't tell that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You can't say that, Crossbridge. Well, who are we going to obey? 
God rather than men. You can't say that homosexuality is a sin. Well, who are we going to obey? God rather than men. You can't say that a woman doesn't have a right to choose whether she wants to kill her child or not. Should we obey God rather than men? You understand where I'm going with this? That's boldness. That's just doing what you know this book says regardless of the earthly consequences. You only get that boldness when you're in Christ. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about just being bold on Sunday morning. I'm talking about the boldness to stop and share the gospel with somebody who's dying, who's dead in their sins. Listen, they may be able to walk and they may not be crippled, but their, their spirit is quickened. They're dead in their sins. It takes boldness to share the gospel with somebody. And listen, when you're bold, when you're in Christ, you're committed. You're committed. If we are followers of the Lord Jesus, we're going to be committed to him. And what is that? What is our commitment? What does your commitment look like to Christ? You know, we, we talked about this morning. People come up with all sorts of excuses why they can't serve God. And I've heard so many of them in the book, man. And we were talking about how do we answer people like that. And I, and I told the guys this morning, I said, well, I have a pretty rough answer. I do. And I'm, and I'm mercy. We talked about this in new member class. Mercy is my lowest gift. Okay. Never going to have mercy as a number one gift. But here's what somebody says. Well, I just have a hard time getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. I have a hard time because I like sleeping in. I mean, I've heard that a lot. I hear, hear all sorts of stuff, right? And this is what I say. Here's my standard answer. Some of you are smiling like I've said it to you before. I don't know. But I'll say, you know what? I'm really glad that Jesus didn't decide to sleep in the morning that he died for me on the cross. I want you to think about that. When you think about your commitment to the Lord Jesus, aren't we all, including myself, thankful that our commitment level, I'm thankful that his didn't look like mine sometimes. How can I be more committed to Christ? Committed to reading his word. Committed to worshiping him. Committed to lead, leading my family to love the Lord. Committed to giving, to serving. Hey, when you're in Christ, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. Because he's the most important thing. I shared this verse with somebody this week. Shared it with them this week. Sometimes, I don't know, people, um, I'm not going to tell you who, obviously, but people tell you because you pastor the church, they, they, when they haven't been here in a while or a long time, they'll come up to you and they'll say, I'm, I'm going to come, preacher. I've been really thinking about the gospel and I've been really thinking about, we really have good intentions on coming back. And I'll be frank with you, if I see you and you haven't been in church in six months or whatever in the grocery store, don't say that to me. Just say, hey, it's really good seeing you. I, I'm... I miss you, and I'll say, yeah, I miss you too, I love you, I, you know, I'd love for you to come back. And then don't give me an excuse or whatever, right? Well, I've had people do that over and over and over lately, and finally this week I stopped them. I said, no, you know what, here's the deal. And he was a guy, and I really challenged him on his leadership in his home. Really challenged him, and I quoted him my favorite verse. It's Mark 8, 36. For what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? I said, what does this matter? Where you work or whatever else you have. 
if you're not leading your family to love the Lord Jesus. And all these kids and all these people that God's placed you an authority figure over, if you're not leaving, leading them to love the Lord Jesus, you're failing. Right? That's the truth. If we're followers of Christ, is that commitment level only superficial? I mean, God, I'll give you my best when it's convenient for me. But if it becomes inconvenient, I mean, we cannot, you cannot, Jesus, you can't get in the way of my soccer time. I hope nobody just wants this soccer, but whatever it is, I don't know. Whatever it is, right? I mean, God, I love you, but only if it's convenient here, right? That, these disciples weren't committed to that. That's not, that wasn't their commitment level. I'm sorry, kids, if you play soccer. I'll come watch you play soccer. I may take a nap during part of the match, but I'll come watch you, okay? Their, their commitment level, these disciples, was one of, we're going to do whatever. If you play football, I'll be really excited, though, okay? All right. Here's the review for today. I hope that you love Jesus all the time and not only when it's convenient. Here's some questions I want us to ask ourselves today. Is my life different? Since I became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, is my life different? Am I different? Has he changed me? Is my mind different? Is my heart different? Does that come out in how I have compassion for other people? Do I love people? You know what followers of Jesus do? They love people. You know, people say sometimes, well, you just hate homosexuals. No, I don't. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. I pray for them. I share the gospel with them. I share the truth with them. I love them enough to not love them into hell. I love people. I want to I love people. I want to share the truth with people. That's compassion. Helping people. Followers of Jesus love others. Do you have courage to stand up for what's right, even when nobody else does? Or am I ashamed to be a follower of Jesus when I'm out there? Hey, the same mean old cuss that stands behind this pulpit sometimes better be the same mean old cuss that's out there during the week. We have to be the same. Or it's a facade, and people see that. has to be the same. Am I committed to Jesus, no matter the cost? Do I only love him when there's something to gain? No matter the cost. Peter and John, they're, they're a great example of what boldness looks like. What Paul was calling us, charging us in Ephesians chapter 6 to be bold. Here's the thing. We're going to have an invitation this morning. My, these invitations, I want to explain something to you. You know why we have an invitation? It's not to beg you to come down. I don't need to do that. I'm not going to do that. Our invitation time is for you and God to work things out. For you to humble yourself before God when you need to. It's also a time that you can worship Him and thank Him for the good things that you've, He's doing in your life. To honor Him, to love Him. Right? We're going to have an invitation. We're also going to take communion this morning. The second ordinance. We're given a warning in Scripture. It's found in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So what's taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? Well, number one, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't take the Lord's Supper. That would be unworthy. Number two, if you're living right now, 
not open in openly or behind scenes in sin and rebellion against God, don't take the Lord's Supper until you've confessed that sin to God. Until you've said, look, Lord, forgive me of this sin. I'm agreeing with you that this is sin. That's why we have this invitation. Now, for you to, if God's working in your life, you have questions about baptism, you come and talk to me. I'll set a meeting up with you. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to. But it's a time for you and God, for you to confess your sins to God and work and be in agreement with Him. Right? That's what this is for. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll have a time if you need to come uh, before we take communion with one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for the numerous examples that uh, are found in Scripture of boldness, of standing for truth. It, regardless of the situations uh, that, that your followers found themselves in and the example this morning of Peter and John, I thank you uh, for that example, God. And I... I thank you for the example that you were on the cross uh, to us. That you could have gotten out of that at any time. And, and rightfully, we don't deserve salvation. But you loved us so much, you went and died for us. And I worship you this morning for that. And I thank you for that, uh, Lord. That uh, without you, we're nothing. With you, it's everything. Lord, I pray uh, this morning, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, uh, God, that's never believed in you, professed you as their Lord and Savior, that today is that day. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here this morning that are struggling with sin. God, it may be hidden sin that they don't want to tell people about, but you see everything. You see everything, God. And we can't hide anything from you. So I pray this morning we'll repent where we need to repent. We'll worship you this morning in truthfulness, in purity of heart. And Lord, make us pure by our repentance towards you. Lord, I pray for... This church, I pray for the sickness. I know we have a lot of people sick this morning. I pray for them. And in God, in, in all things, Lord, we glorify and honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. His spirit was moving.
I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning, please. Can our elders come this morning? So as we, uh, as we take communion this morning, I want to let you know this is we have an open communion. So if you're a visitor with us this morning, you don't have to be a member of this church to uh, take communion with us. Just the most important thing uh, and the only qualification is that you have publicly professed Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior. So if you've done that, we, we want you to take communion with us this morning. Um, we're, we're told that Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, we're told that Jesus had gathered with his disciples to celebrate Passover. Uh, and, and in verse 26 it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and t- said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for the, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So uh, it, it's an extremely important time. It is an ordinance of the church, an extremely important time that we look back uh, and, and it shouldn't just be one time a month when we take communion and we do this. We should constantly, I think, be living in a reflective state of what Christ did for us on the cross. Um, because when, when, you, when you're doing that continually and you're thinking of what Christ did for you on the cross, it humbles you. It helps you forgive others uh, easier when, when they've sinned against you because you remember of how much God's forgiven you from. Uh, and, and so it keeps us very, very humble that uh, no one here deserves to be saved. We don't deserve salvation, uh, folks. And so uh, remembering that Jesus willingly went to the cross and died for us is extremely, extremely important. And it also is a time for us to look forward to his return. Uh, In the times that we're living in and the evil that we see around the world uh, all over, um, I'm ready for Christ to come back uh, and spend an eternity uh, with him uh, in heaven. The best thing about heaven is not going to be all of the the, the wonderful things that scripture talks about and even the things that we can't even imagine it's going to be. It's going to be, we're going to be with Christ forever, uh, our Savior. And so uh, we should look forward to that as we take this uh, today too. So what we're going to do is we're going to pass it out uh, and, and you can spend time uh, in reflecting on the things I've just talked about uh, before we take it with one another. But I'm going to ask Mike, let's get a mic here. I need a, I need a, we have a, we have a mic. I want people downstairs to be able to hear us. Thank you. I'm going to ask Mike if you would please bless the bread this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this opportunity to be here this morning, this opportunity to take communion, Lord. And, and uh, we thank you for what you did on the cross, Lord. And, and uh, may we take communion this morning, Lord, in just remembrance of, uh, of your body, Lord, that was broken on the cross, Lord. We just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. He took the cup. And he blessed it. He gave thanks. That's Max, if he would please bless the cup this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to pay the ultimate price. You shed his blood on the cross for my sins, the sins of the whole world. So we could have forgiveness, we could have life, we could have abundant eternal life. It's in your son's name, the name above every name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So drink it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take ye and drink. Scripture tells us they went out singing and rejoicing. That's what we should do today also. So if you would please stand as the worship team leads us in song as we dismiss. dismissed.